Like All right, class, is, this, class is this recording now? Yeah, that's recording now. Okay. What, classy? Like classical, like Mozart or some shit. I mean, do we have to pay him royalties? No, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. That's right. <clears throat> I, Why is this thing glowing red? Because it's on. Oh, okay. <laughs> recording so tell a story all right well at some point last year or so team sky was under a lot of fire because they dominate like they dominate bike racing when they're when they're putting a full contingent in a race and they've been accused of doping and all this different stuff relying too much on power meters they just have a huge budget and they're method you know that Methodical? Methodical. At what they do. And he explained it as finding efficiencies through training and everything, these marginal gains that add up to their dominance. And that just became a meme or, you know, this or that. So our name spins off of that, right? Yeah. We're just kind of complainers that muscles sore, we're groaning. Yeah, we're... Two people who've been in the sport for a long time, and yeah. we have a lot to groan about. So. And there's a lot of cyclists that groan about shit. Like it's constant. They're well, they're they're a complainy bunch. Oh man, especially oh. especially you know before the race, after yeah. the race, oh, everybody wants to tell you. Before the race is like, oh well, you know, oh, I see, didn't eat right. Here's um, shit cyclists do that sort of drives me crazy. You have a great race. Yeah. Your teammate who didn't have a great race wants to tell you how great his race was. You maybe stepped on the podium that day. Your teammate maybe got a top 20. Yeah. And his race was way better than your race, and you're going to hear all about it on the drive home. And that's fine. I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear about it. But let me, let me just let me enjoy this for just a minute. Just, oh. just one minute. Yeah, I've never been through that. Oh. Yeah, that's one thing. I, 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 we're the opposite. Yeah. Like, you can't, like, have a good race. Nobody ever raced as good as, like, we could race. Right. Even if, like, one of us won. Oh, there's an issue with, like, could have won by more. <laughs> you know? Like, so I'm a little bit I, to the other side of weird shit that cyclists do. Like, cycle, like analyze and analyze and analyze everything that you could have, you should have done differently. So no matter what, you could have always done better. Yeah. Yeah. But I do agree. I hate that, like, warming up and you hear people like, oh, well, I didn't get to sleep last night. Or uh, you know, making the excuse for how bad they're going to suck before they've had a chance to suck right. yet. Uh, I'm still hungover. I didn't eat enough. Yeah. I didn't get enough sleep. I've been working really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. I That's, think- you know, I always go like, man, I feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I got such a perfect night's sleep last night when somebody's complaining like that. Just like, shut up. Uh so let's do our intro. Our intro, yeah. So I'm Jed. I'm Jeremy. And this is Marginal Groans. Yeah, we're going to groan. <laughs> <laughs> do you, uh, I had this tick when I, when I use race porta potties, mm. I bring a, a packet of Charmin wipes in with me. Yes. And if the packet is down to about half, yeah. I leave it there for the for the rest of the race uh, the race officials and the riders so that they they can have a, a clean asshole. Oh well, you know what? That's a clear sign that you don't win bike races because <laughs> nobody's kind. nice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, I think that's definitely a a really nice thing to do. 
Well, if you I, w- I need to know where you are at all times at races because nothing's worse than going in the portage on and there's no toilet paper left. Yeah. And there are only a few race promoters that really really seem to understand that they need to buy an extra 20 rolls of toilet paper yeah. and just have them nearby. Yeah, but anybody who's been racing bikes long enough at least has a roll of toilet paper in their car. Well, see, that's why I bring the wipes. It's yeah. one level higher than, than the toilet paper. I feel like it makes me a, a porta potty Zen master. Yeah, but there should be some rules. So every year I try to do Jeremy Powers ride. And this year people were going into the field to use the natural bathroom. Oh. So I followed the trail. And there was like big piles of toilet paper left there near the at the start. So people were dumping in the field, which to me that's rude. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. No, I know of, I know of races that have gotten canceled because of that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. some neighbor sees it, or and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, you don't leave a sign. Well, I mean, this is a this is a sign that there are a lot of people among our group that are assholes. And yeah, they just don't care. There, well, there's a lack of etiquette, right? Yeah. So you have, uh, maybe maybe they feel that they're entitled to just shit in the woods next to the car because it's too far from the portage on. I think doing a number one yeah. is fine, but I mean, really. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. No. I'm too scared of ticks. I, <laughs> and that's a bad place to get a tick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're hovering way too low, you know what I mean? That's dangerous. <laughs> Like, I run in there fast and get get done, and I'm yeah. out because I, I just do not want to catch Lyme disease. Especially, it's, uh It's happened before, and I don't I don't ever want to go through that again. Well, yeah, you don't want it to start on the coin purse. Yeah. Well, you don't want it to start anywhere, for yeah. that matter, but, yeah, that's that's a tough one. I, I remember I had a teammate in New York. Um, this, this is going back probably 10 years when I was on the uh, Jonathan Adler team. Mm-hmm. the CRCA team. And I had a teammate who used to ride out to Rockley every Thursday from mm-hmm. the city. And on his way there one night, he had the urge. And so he went into the woods and he took a crap mm-hmm. and he showed up at Rockley with one arm warmer. <laughs> <laughs> and so we called him Brown for the rest yeah. of the season. Well, he could have been doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a different <laughs> podcast him. altogether. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you think is missing from cyclists now, maybe compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago? Because you, I mean, maybe a little bit about you, you've been, you've been at this a while, right? When did you start racing? I started racing in 85. Yeah. But I quit for a while. Yeah. Like 14 years, 15 years. Um, but that was a, that was an interesting time to be a bike racer because you had, you had some really dedicated, it was so, so fringe. It still is fringe, but it was, like, really fringe. And then the people that were um, part of the sport then just – it was all about the etiquette. It was all about being smooth, and it was all about respecting kind of the unwritten rules. And uh, and it was an honor to be taught that. And, um, you know, like people pinning their elbow against you and holding you against the shoulder for an entire ride – Things like that. that I know that I've taught my son when he was racing, but I don't think that kind of stuff is happening because I don't think 
those riders are going to the group rides as much anymore or something. I don't, I don't know. I can't explain. Something's changed. It's been, it's become more about attacking and not about tempo. You know, do you, it's think, not, do you think that's because of well, maybe because of Strava or individual coaches? People are more myopic and they're thinking about their own training rather than the collective. I I don't know. I can, I can only speak for myself. I don't go on group rides much uh, because I'm hitting training plans, and um, you know, if you have to do intervals every day, you're not going to do that on a group ride. Every once in a while, there'll be a group ride written in my plan, but it's usually on a night that there's no group ride. <laughs> so, you know, like I don't have that many friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do, uh, I do a local Saturday group ride, and I, it's, it's interesting, and I think every group ride probably goes through this. Beginning of the season, you know, March, April, when, when we, the roads start to get a little bit more clear and it's not zero degrees, the still only the – the better riders, the more hardcore riders, the guys that you can trust show up. Mm -hmm. But as we start to creep into late spring and then into June, June is sort of is is the high peak of the scary season for a local group ride because yeah. you get people who show up who don't do the group rides on a regular basis. So they also don't race. There's a big there's a big um, difference between people who do group rides occasionally and people who race. Because yeah. if you're racing, you're in close quarters. You understand how to ride with each other. Yeah. In a group ride, yeah, you get someone who shows up who is not used to that mentality or that, I guess, that physicality of riding. Um, that's when we get on the front and we just motor and we try to shake those guys off the back because it becomes a it becomes an unsafe condition. Yeah, and I th I think the respect is gone. Like I think we mentioned that earlier. I th I think I know that when I was getting into the sport and I started getting fast, I was always looking at the riders that were accomplished that were going on the rides that I looked up to and I had respect for them and I I waited for them to go I wouldn't attack them it was just an understanding they were they were the the tip of the spear of the group ride and you respected them mm. and they deserved it I don't I think it's the opposite now I think everybody's trying to show off and it's all about power and it's all about attacking and, and it just, you know, it falls apart. And back then, if you did that, you would be told, get to the back or don't come back. Right. That type of thing. Right. Well, and, you, and nobody does that anymore. Well, no, because I, I, I mean, I've I've told people that they're riding unsafely and, I, you know, I get told, dude, go fuck yourself. But, yeah. You know, I think people feel entitled. They paid 10, 15 K for for their bike. And they've got their $200 a month coaching plan. They mm -hmm. have a coach telling them how hard to ride, but they're not showing them how to ride mm -hmm. or how to, how to act in, exactly. in, in, the, in the field. And that's, that's a problem. You know, I think one of the things that we do um, that I do as a juniors coach is, you know, today I was out with two kids that, uh, that are on our team. And even though it was 20 degrees and they were both frozen, we were talking about etiquette. We were yeah. talking about where to be in the road and what to call out. And there was a ton of black ice on the road. Yeah. And by the end of the ride, you know, I had these, they, we, they were following all the cues. They were giving the cues on their own. It was a very safe, very controlled ride. Mm -hmm. We had to deal with traffic. You know, this is not a, a light traffic area. Um, and I feel like maybe we're getting to a point now where there's more interest from a, a, you know, a youth level in the sport that maybe we can sort of rebuild what was, what vanished when the the increase in personal coaches came around in the 90s, late 90s. Yeah, but it's, have we missed it, 
right? So have you missed the opportunity because there's a lot of people that are now uh, training juniors that are from the generation of maybe early 2000s, you know, getting into the sport where where the whole passing down of etiquette is was has gone. So like there's a whole group of people that are now leaders in the cycling community that that missed that. I think it's there or it should be there or maybe it shouldn't. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we're just holding on to like lost times. Well, I, I mean, we. we I could, think it should be there. There's but. a deeper dig here. I mean, we can we can talk about when when USA Cycling sort of ignored the requirement for clubs to sponsor events and yeah. and when custom clothing got faster and cheaper, you started to see all these big teams who you know, I've been in the custom clothing business a while. We used to see orders, you know, you know, in the in the tens of thousands of dollars. Now you get uh, I, I hear from from reps that the orders are small. You know, yeah. 50, 50 piece orders at, yeah. at best, and the teams are tiny, and people have a different cross road mountain bike team. It's uh, it's very different. You used to have a club that you rode for, and that club had their regular group ride, and they maybe had their own training race series, yeah. and they had their race that they promoted every year. Yeah, you know, I feel like we have a lot of that here in Connecticut. You know, the Frozen Four is a good example of that. It's a bunch of teams coming together this spring to bring back the Plainville Crit, yeah. and you know, the Plainville Crit's been gone for what two or three seasons now. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um, it's been four, maybe four. It was before. It was before I moved here, so yeah. it's got to be four then. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that race for one reason. The first, the first race, I always find somebody and say, "Wow, you put on weight this winter." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna skip the first race. <laughs> So we were talking about Plainville, getting back to where we were. Yeah. So, <coughs> going back to etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what, what what was Plainville like before? Who ran it? Like, what was the what was the structure of the race? You know, I am. I am. Well, you, you there was a start and there was a finish. That was part of the structure. Oh. There's a corner. Oh. It's a sketchy corner. That makes it fun yeah. going into the sprint. It's like a D shape, right? It's like a D shape, yeah. The D. The D. It's a big D, really. Everybody yeah. likes a big D. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. And it's a big cold D too, because it's pretty frigid out the time of year. Um It's competitive, you know? Because everybody's been you know in the house. It'll be interesting because it's a March race, and the last there was no Zwift the last time Plainville was held. So we're going to talk about Zwift in our first episode. I feel that's like it's very tropey, but I'm I'm in. Okay, Um, I was more talking about Plainville and the fact that people are going to be pushing some power because they've been able to train indoors all winter. So March racing is going to be fast, and the people who are like, "I'm never going to ride Zwift," I'm spit screw off, that. Spit off the back. Oh, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, because you know, there's going to be some. It's going to be a, a race that's a late spring, early summer training race. You know, right. because people are going to be fit. So 
It'll there, be interesting. There's been I, I see I see ads pop up online now, uh, or I get emails from like I got one from Peak Cycling or Peaks Coaching Group last week, mm-hmm. talking about overtraining on Zwift. Like don't overtrain on Zwift. Zwift racing is not everything. You know, yeah. stick to your training plan. And I, I get that. There's such a lure to want to jump into those kiss races. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's January, mm-hmm. and we have a long season. Mm-hmm. Cyclocross ends in late December. Yeah. Um, and so to come out flying in March means something totally different now. Well, yeah, because the guys that race in Zwift, race in Zwift. Right. Um, they're not racing on the road, generally. Right. These days, right. Um, I tend to agree, but I'm, I'm worried about that. I was worried about, I've been doing Zwift since, be- since the beta. Yeah, same here. I've, I've been worried about that. You have to self-regulate, and eventually, eventually you lose your ego a little bit. And you can, like, I, I get in there and I'm just doing tempo and somebody flies by me and I want to, like, just show him. But I hold back. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Anymore. So I think, like, people who, who are following training plans and racing their bike all summer long outside um, are going to be smart about it. But you, I think it's okay to be doing four to six hours a week. Of in, with intensity this time of year, I don't think it's gonna, you know, what your season ends end of beginning of August. You take time off and cross season starts. So I mean, I think I think it's fine. Hmm. But like, you know, anybody who's gonna overtrain in Zwift over the winter deserves to like <laughs> blow up, you know, or be exhausted. I think mm-hmm. there are people. Well, yeah. So for those of you who I'm, I'm assuming, if you're listening to this, you know what Zwift is. But Zwift is an online training platform that popped up four or five years ago. Yeah, or, yeah. So yeah. the first uh, Jeremy and I were both part of the beta test for this, and the original Zwift is a virtual training platform. So you have a what's you have a smart trainer, or if you have a smart sensor. When it first came out, you had to have the software. It was before they built it for the app. So I had a Wahoo Kicker. What'd you have? I always ride rollers. Just a rollers and, and what a power meter. Power meter, yeah. Yeah, you know you can I guess switch off your switch off your your uh, your output if this is boring, but uh, if you already know what we're talking about. First Island was really simple. Jarvis. Yeah, Jarvis. We called it Butt Plug Island because of the way it was shaped. Yeah, that's really mean. Yeah. <laughs> I love Zwift. Come on. And then maybe you love butt plugs. I don't know. Hey, you know. To each his own, I say. <laughs> but I called it Jarvis. So Jarvis Island was uh, well, it was shaped like a butt plug. Now you know it's, but it had what two climbs on it. Very simple. The graphics were pretty bad, mm-hmm. but they were better than anything else I'd seen. I had been riding. I had been riding on the Tax uh, Tax Tax X Tax. Have you pronounced that? I've been riding on yeah. their their platform because um, I had a Tax Eye Magic Trainer, mm. um, and it was better than Compu Trainer. But the cool thing about Swift was that I could call up a friend in in China and we could get on and ride at the same time and as did you actually do that call a friend in China well I, well, I Skyped a friend in China and we really? got on Zwift at the same time we did yeah. it once I bet you know China loves it because they can actually ride their bike consistently every day and don't have to worry about toxic fumes yeah I could I, well I'll tell you some stories later on about riding in China it's yeah you shouldn't ride in China pretty scary I always come home sick well it depends on where yeah there's nice places yeah. Anyway, but so Beautiful. so Beautiful Zwift place. in the last five years has really transformed 
online training. And before Zwift, you you know you would you would go to a bike shop that had a bunch of copy trainers, and you'd have a coach there dictate a, a workout to you. That basically Zwift killed that whole industry. There's no reason to go to a bike shop and ride a trainer anymore. You can just mm-hmm. do it at home, and you can. I regularly get together with teammates and friends, and we do yeah. a, a group ride together, and we do intervals together. It's fun. Yeah, you know what? I ride alone in Zwift as well. Maybe we should talk about that. Why I, I choose to ride alone? Yeah, this I don't is. Know. A, I'm a rebel, Donnie. <laughs> 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 I'm a loner, Donnie. A rebel. <laughs> Well, you know, remember that beginning of Pee Wee's Big Adventure with the, the Tour de France and the bicycle oh, yeah. race and everything? Is, is that is that what hooked you? You're already into it by that point, right? Oh God, are we going here? Yeah, well, yeah, there's well, a story here. I feel like we should continue continue the thing about Zwift. What were we talking about with Zwift? How it's changing bike racing. So Zwift now has races, and they have training plans and training rides, yeah. and they're like at all hours of the day, you can get on Zwift and ride. And there are tens of thousands of yeah. people at any time. They just there's, had their first pro race. That's right. Yeah, you know, I was part of the group that started organizing the first community races. Really? And it was before the holding pens and the start gates. And it was like, all right, on this day, at this time, there's going to be a Zwift race. Go to the start, wait on the side, and a leader will tell you when it's time to go. And like, I was one of the re- leaders for Thursday night Zwift race. Huh. Uh, and we would start. I would say go. We would all ride together. And it was like trial by error. The first time it was like go and everybody would go and it would it would fall apart right away. So then we were like, we're gonna roll into it. So we would set the first distance and you'd have to follow the person who was the race leader. And you would follow so I was the race leader Thursday nights, people would follow me, we would get to a certain point and I would just type go, 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 go. And of course I'm on rollers. So I'd have, you know, I'm really good at it now, but yeah. back then I would have to, I would I'd have to write it on my, uh, write it beforehand. Right. And wait to press go. And then, yeah. And yeah. then hit it. So it would go up on the screen, you know, so I wouldn't fall off the rollers <laughs> and then everybody would just attack and it would be a race. Right. And those were like super popular. And then, uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting. Huh. That started right away in beta, you know, um, those races, but now look at it. It's like it's all grown up. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. But anyways, Plainville. That's yeah. what we were supposed to we be talking, talking about. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think people are, I think it'll be funny to, not funny, but interesting to see who comes out flying and yeah. uh, and who doesn't have who doesn't have it. And yeah. I, I, I would actually like to, go, I, maybe we'll go to Plainville and we'll talk to some riders and we'll do, we'll do sort of a straw poll. Yeah. Did you train on Zwift this winter? Yeah. And we'll figure it out. Yeah. And then we'll, 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 we'll cross-reference the results. Right. We could do that. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's going to be cold and it's going to snow probably. So I would imagine at least one of the races might get canceled. Well, there's four. So yeah. starting what March third every it's every yeah third tenth seventeenth twenty fourth whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to miss two of them. But. Yeah, I'm missing the last one. Yeah, I've got a hell of hundred in New Jersey. So yeah. good yeah. for you. Oh yeah. Well, I, I don't ride anymore. I help run. So we were talking about about Pee Wee and uh, okay. So, so wait, Pee Wee came out in maybe eighty five, right? Eighty six. Yeah, somewhere around. That's there. when you started racing. Well, I was a BMX racer before then. Okay. Yeah. So BMX Bandits then. 
Yeah, you know. Or rad. Uh, I was like just before rad, maybe. So rad was not rad. Rad. I saw it in the movie theater. I was still into it. I was starting to transition to skateboarding okay. probably at that point. Um, but I had this paper route, and I would I had watched the movie Quicksilver. Oh God, you're you're like Kevin Bacon and Crew Jones. Yeah. All in one. I well no I saw so I saw Quicksilver. And I was just like, God. And like I had always gone to the bike shop that Ramen his own, Rainbow Cycle, and Willamanic, um, looked up to those guys. Like I was always like annoying kid that was like, Can you put air in my tires? You know, like that kid. Yeah. Um so I see this movie and I'm like, I wanna buy a bike and I wanna start racing. I must have been thir- twelve or thirteen. So I start paying a down payment on a Peugeot racing bike. You know, I'd give him a little bit of money to Ron, you know, every week. And then I changed my mind. Why? For some reason, I, I don't know. And I got one of those really dorky scooters that were like half scooter, half BMX bike. Oh, Remember no. those things? Really? Yeah. I just thought it would be better to do my paper route with because I could still put, I don't know. How, well, how, how did that work out for you? <clears throat> Now, it was a bad choice. but was, bad, uh, was your paper bag? Paper, paper, what no, because it? it was the same. It's like BMX handlebars on a scooter. Oh, yeah, sure. So it was the same as, like, you know, you wrap the the delivery bag on the handlebars. Do you ever yeah, do yeah. that? No, no. Well, I, I didn't you know. You wrap you... it around the grips, and then it hangs down, like, a number plate, and you throw the newspapers just yeah. like every paper boy. So anyway, so yeah, so that was, like, but still, I, I kind of was getting a little bit of the bug of bike racing. Um, and then when I turned 16, I was like the local skateboard kid. So Ron was selling skateboards, and he was—he hired me. Oh, Ron, kind of, Ron knew his market, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was, he was ahead of the curve, man. So anyways, he hired me just to be behind the skateboard counter and stuff. Right. And I started wrenching, and within six months, I was riding bikes. Huh. So it's kind of Riding like road bikes. Road bikes yeah. and the rest from there. Did you, keep, did you keep riding a skateboard? Oh, yeah. I skated, jeez. Uh, oh, off and on all the way through my 30s. Huh. Yeah. How are your ankles? My ankles are fine, man. I was a snowboarder, too, for a very long oh. time. Uh, since 85, probably. So, Yeah, my, I've got good ankles. I've got good knees. Somehow they survived. Even with uh, nail-in cleats and, and very odd bike positions from the, uh, from the 80s. Yeah. Well, I've gotten to this point, right? You're probably the same way. We're, like, more vertical. You yeah. know, like yeah. anything to the side now. Like I don't think I could be a very good roller skater. Yeah, no. I I do one I do one thing and I don't even do it that well. So. Yeah. So you know, stretching's important. Yeah. And I don't like to stretch, so <laughs> it had, hurts too much. I, I, had a, I had a friend who used to say, "Yeah, I stretch. I stretch my leg over my top tube." <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you were uh, you got a road bike, yeah. and, and then what? Well, I started going out on road bike rides, following Ron, and then going on the group rides, and yeah. So Ron, I was lucky to be around those guys. There's some really, really good riders in uh, like the Willamette River Valley area, like Ron and Dave Geiser and other people like that. Um, that I was really lucky to be around as a kid. Yeah, like people I look back to that etiquette, that respect thing. You know, if they saw something in you, they they gave you 100% attention and they gave you advice. And if you weren't a punk kid that thought you knew everything and you absorbed it, it was super beneficial, right? Well, you, yeah, sure. And you did races back then. And I, I didn't, I guess I, I started racing 
in uh, in the early '90s when I get outside of Philadelphia, we we had the Red Rose Rockets to contend with. Those that was like the fast team out of Lancaster, yeah. and I came from a club in South Jersey that had two juniors on it. And I really stopped racing because my dad stopped driving me to races and would, yeah. you know, get his friends to take me. And I thought, well, this is something I want to do with my dad. So I guess I'm done with bike racing. It was probably a good choice. I wasn't very good at it. You know, these things continue in life. But I, yeah. I think part of the problem with, with cycling, and maybe this is a larger discussion, is that we tend to take, we tend to take in the cast-offs from other sports. Yeah. You're not good at ball sports. You're not good at, you know, running for whatever reason, cycling is there. And I'm going to disagree with you yeah? on that. Why is that? I think it's a personality trait that brings people to cycling. I think it's fringe people that discover the sport because, you know, who, who was it who said that? I forget what famous person. We'll have to cut it in later or something. But said, you know, uh, was it like Guimard maybe? I don't know. What's the Zero quote? He said, uh, um, it's an individualistic sport that we're forced to ride as a team or huh. something like that. Is that. Good, it sounds like something he would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I think that's true. Like, we, we subject ourselves to so much pain, so much intensity for what? You know, like hours alone um, on the bike. Right. Like, it's a certain type of person that gets drawn to the sport, and it's a fringe type person. I guess that's my point. That's why I think we're all a little bit awkward, weird type of people you know like nobody says nobody says wow look at those cyclists they're like the coolest people (laughs) (laughs) except for maybe cross racers from Uh, not even (laughs) you know like it's usually like wow like who are these weirdos usually i and i'm part of that you know like we're all part of that it's just who we are and i don't so i i don't think we're like give us your your weird masses as a sport, I think it's just discovered by those people. Like, it's, it's you know, people that were into skateboarding that made that transition or people that were into BMX bikes that made that transition. Um, but that changed. That changed in the 90s mm-hmm. um, when, you know, we, we had the, the seven-year dance with Lance mm-hmm. and the whole bike industry f- sort of followed that, got on that ride and it was good for a lot of people. Yeah. But we saw a lot of a lot of new riders into the sport, and not really, not really from a racing perspective. But yeah. they started doing these uh, cause rides, disease rides, yeah. and those guys would show up on the local the local shop ride, which right. we were talking about earlier. And maybe that's where that's where there's a bit of a disconnect because before cycling was a little bit more of an insular sport, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's gotten back to that. And maybe we're just having trouble coming to terms with the fact that, or at least from a greater degree, that it's an insular sport, and some of us are just a little bit more weird. Yeah, I don't know. I think you, you you need to be a special person to subject yourself to the level of pain that we do. Um, and it's it's at every level. Like everybody has their own definition of what's fast, but the one thing in com- common is it hurts. Right. Some people are just faster. Some people are just in better shape. But the sport never doesn't hurt. Right. You know? if In a competitive sense. Right. If you're out just going for a ride, you might hit a hill every once in a while, wrong gear choice or something, you're like, ah, this hurts. But from a competitive standpoint, I mean, we brutalize ourselves. It's, sure. And it's, uh, I mean, our training plans are basically brutalize yourself 
for an hour for segments. Or two, every day, and right. you're not even racing anybody. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, you're. It's not even. It's not even like you're. You're not doing it for for health reasons. You're doing it for something deeper. Yeah. So maybe something darker. Yeah, I think we're just kind of. I don't know. I don't want to get psych. I don't want to psychoanalyze it. I suppose, but you know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't think, hate it. I mean, I, I. I. enjoy this. Why would I? Why would I? Keep doing it for all these years with a very low level of success as an amateur yeah. bike racer. I. I guess I just. I enjoy the speed. I enjoy that. I enjoy the pain that I inflict on my body. Yeah. Yeah, it's dark. I think. I think you know there. There's a. There's a time where you take like a week or two off your bike every year, you know, at the end of the season or whatever. You finally get tired. Finally, you're just like, I don't even want to see the bike anymore. Right. And that's usually, for me, that's usually like the most depressing time of my entire life because you're suddenly all these endorphins that you're getting normally on a regular everyday basis. You're suddenly starving your body of that. So you cut off the drug supply. Right. So I think in a way cycling's therapeutic that way so I don't know like I said I don't want to psychoanalyze it I don't want to be too like a downer but yeah. I think it's just yeah like it's that's, there's a drive there for it so. psychoanalyst <laughs> psychoanalyst yeah yeah a psychoanalogist? <laughs> I don't know. Thoughts, deep thoughts. Yeah, that's uh, we can we can get deeper into that later on. Yeah, yeah. What are some things that you do? Uh, some weird things you do in preparation, or do you have any weird rituals? Um. Yeah, I do. I always put my left shoe on first. Just out of habit. Yeah. Um. I, well, I, it starts with my socks. I put my left sock on, then my right sock, then I put my left shoe on, and then my right shoe. Every time. Every time? Every time, yeah. Do you follow that with shoe covers as well? Yep. Wow, it's weird. Do yeah. you, well, And then if I'm taking it on the ride, if I'm taking my shoe covers off, I take my right shoe cover off before my left shoe cover. If I try to take my left shoe cover off before my right, it feels weird. I think we just lost all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then, I mean, cyclists, we do weird shit. Well, yeah, I mean, most people like, clip in with with a certain foot. Yeah, I clip, yeah, that's right. I clip in with my right foot. I can't do my left first. Yeah, I'm always left first. Interesting. Left oh. first. That's my downstroke. But huh. I'm a left-handed person. So. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. But it's weird. Like, my cross dismounts are normal. Huh. But uh yeah. I have a friend who uh What else do you, what do you you don't like you don't get to ask me like weird, weird stuff I do without answering the question. I have to think about this. What weird what weird stuff do I do? I I count. I count when I when I'm packing for race day, mm-hmm. I count my shoes, my socks, my kit. Mm-hmm. I, I I count everything in the bag. Mm-hmm. And then I unpack it and I count it again. That's cool. Because I showed up to the Downingtown Crit in 1990-something, 1998 maybe, with a jersey that had the sleeves cut off because I had been mountain biking earlier that week, and, you know, that was the thing. So of all the things that you told me about weird stuff that you do, 
it was counting and not the fact that you own a jersey that you cut the sleeves off. <laughs> it was the 90s. Come on. <laughs> I mean, no, that was never a thing, man. <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess it was for dirtbag bike messengers in Philly. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> no, but I, so I showed, up, I showed up to race this crit, and I tried to... I tried to like you know. I thought oh, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to sneak in under the wire. Officials aren't going to see the fact that I have the sleeves cut off my jersey, and uh, I got flagged at the line. Yeah. They're like, you can't wear that. Yeah. Do you have another jersey? So I went back in my car, thinking that I had another jersey. I I, I was that guy wearing a t-shirt yeah. with my number pinned to it, and man, everybody stayed away from me. Yeah, yeah. On the topic of hiding things from officials. And I'm sure we're going to get into Bat and Kill at some point in this podcast. And we can spend a whole season on Bat and Kill. Yeah, Bat and Killed. Um, so, one year, it was the last year I think like Bat and Kill was a legitimate race before it became a group ride. Um, and I, I was racing for Bethel at the time, and we had just gotten Giro helmets. And you know how Giro helmets have like class problems? Like yes. you need to tape back then. And I don't know. Maybe they fixed well, it. The straps, the straps creep basically. Yeah. 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 So we start. We're on still the pave section before we take the turn to go under the the uh, the cover bridge. Right. And then it starts turning to dirt in a little while. As soon as we're about to take the corner to go under the cover bridge, my strap. Opens. <laughs> well, it's right? still, still buckled, though. It's still buckled, <laughs> but it's hanging. They're both dangling, right? Yeah. And for those so, who haven't done bat and kill, this dirt section it's it's like it's like the beginning of a war. It's a, it's a scrum to get to to get to that yeah. section. It's like a cross race. It's yeah. like a whole shot. Yeah. So I had a helmet floating on my head. <laughs> Not even you know, and I had raced the whole race. Like that, because you can't stop and right. fix it. Right, it's not. It's too complicated to do it with your hands off. And you can't take it off your head. No, you'll get DQ'd so, immediately. So you know, I, I was up, I was up close to the front the whole race, and uh, I every time like the official vehicle would pull up next to us, I would like just tuck it like my <laughs> like my shoulder to kind of hold it as if like it looked like, yeah, your shoulder? Like, yeah. like I was talking into like like a radio <laughs> or something <laughs> <laughs> just because you know and then I'm like screaming down these dirt descents with my helmet just like lifting off the top of my head the whole race it was funny. Yeah. why don't you go to your mama's house and make all that racket trap trap money penny that's uh, that's all that's all I have for tonight. Yeah. Ben killed ben, the park. Ben, kill, ben killed it again. <laughs> Thanks, Dieter. Yeah, Dieter. Is he related to Drake? What? Isn't his Dieter Dieter Drake? Dieter Drake. That's his name. So is he listen? Is he related to the rapper from I Canada? Think, I don't think he's Canadian. Uh, yeah. Drake or Dieter? No, Drake is definitely Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch Degrassi? <sighs> of course not. Well, it was, it was on back then when you were a boy. Not the Drake years, I mean. No, I didn't watch stuff like that. Yeah. No. Nah. I was too busy riding a bike six hours a day mm. when that stuff was going on. Yeah. So. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all I didn't have a life. That's why I quit. Because I realized that what I missed you, things like Degrassi. What did you do in that gap? What, 15 years? Yeah, it was 15 years. I got an education. I got married. I had kids. All that stuff. Why'd you come back? Uh, cause I missed it every day. You know, so you, 
when you're racing and you're young and you sacrifice all, everything and it, yeah. and you quit, um, you realize that you made a mistake eventually. Sure. It, it was really weird. Uh, and we can do a no, whole other discussion around the springtime road races in New England and what that used to be like years ago. Um, but I distinctly remember a certain smell of uh, blossoming flowers like that you would smell when you're out on like a 60-mile Putney road race or whatever. I know that smell. Yeah. Yeah. And so every spring, every year in the 15 or whatever years that I quit that I would smell that, I would think back to racing and miss it. So it was just this constant thing. And, right. And I had an opportunity living in England for a little while where I didn't have a car and I had a uh s work sent over to me from a friend that yeah. that uh owned a shop and i just started jump right back in wow racing I, yeah i jumped right back i trained for maybe a month and a half and started racing the had you been doing anything like running or another endurance sport? i i owned a mountain bike and i did like a a spell of mountain biking but no i i studied martial arts like yeah i know i was an adult going to martial arts class but that kept me fit. What belt are you? I'm a black belt. Are you really a black belt? I'm really a black belt, yeah, in Kempo Karate, yeah. Let's go find somebody for you to do that. <laughs> I have not studied it in, like, uh, years. You're, you're a black belt. You'll be fine. <laughs> no, it doesn't let's, work that way, let's, man. Let's get in the car and go to Hartford right now. <laughs> yeah! 